I was just thinking, 52 years ago, I took communion with this church at Holy Ghost Hall. So I've been taking communion here for 52 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. And he said we do this until he comes again. We keep doing it. Today I'm going to give you a little prophetic uh, tour uh, in 1 Thessalonians. It's turned to chapter 4. And uh, I thought with everything that's going on, some of you are praying who you're going to vote for in 24. Uh, just think of what all is going on in the world. What has gone on since you were born? What has changed? You know, uh, I typed my way through college. Never heard of computer. Uh, we didn't have iPhones. We had beacon so-and-so and a party line. Uh, it, it's just amazing what all has happened. And so I think, where are we headed? Where are we headed? And Peter said in chapter 1 of Second Peter, we have a more sure word. We have a prophetic word. And the future, you can do this, is it speculation or revelation? I'm speculating, I'm speculating, and I, I con constantly have different believers come to me, do you think this is the end? Do you think we're in the end times? Yeah, we've been here for 2,000 years. According to 1 John, it, we're in the last kind of hour, and there are many antichrists. He said that. So I want to pick up in 1 Thessalonians 4, and don't close your Bible when we look at that. We're just going to give a brief overview. Then he goes to chapter 5 and brings up a, an important subject. And before you close your Bible, we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians. I figure if I preach once every five years, I've got to make up for lost time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, let's... I want us to see what is coming. Uh, churches and denominations go through uh, fads, spiritual gifts, this, and prophecy used to be a buzzword. I don't hear much of it anymore. Anybody hear a lot of prophetic preaching? Maybe Dave Jeremiah, but not much. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep in the AM service. <laughs> now, the, asleep here is a euphemism um, for the believer's death. Now, when I was in South Carolina, I had a Southern Baptist preacher tell me they had a woman faint on the front row. And so they called 911, and they came in, and they had taken out seven people before they ever got to her. They had all gone to sleep. They thought they were the patient. She was on the front row. So, you know, be sure you qualify the patient. Uh, I'm talking about those who have died in Christ 
don't be alarmed, and they were, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. Only two kinds of people alive today, those with hope, those without it. And Ephesians 2 said, when we were without Christ, we were without hope. So he said, I don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. Why? Because we believe something. Uh, it's terrible what universities have done to our young people's minds. They've taught them that truth does not exist. Tolerance is everything. Your truth, my truth. The only place we believe in absolutes is in banking. When it comes to morals, no absolutes. When it comes to God, no absolutes. But you better not mess up my checking account. I, in my record, said I've got this much money. We believe in absolutes in math, but not in morals, not in God, not in how to live. Because everybody has invented their own truth. But here he says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, now look, here they're worried about those who have died. They, they thought they were all going to be caught away, that they would never see death. But all of a sudden, people are dying in the church. All right, he says, I want you to know, one, they went to sleep in Jesus. And in the Greek, there's a little preposition. They've been put to sleep through the agency of Christ. So that's not too bad. To tuck in a baby at night, and those children, some of the ominous little boys look angelic if we can get them to go to sleep. Jesus is the agent of the believer's death, not Satan, because he destroyed Satan's ability to have power in the realm of death, Hebrews chapter 2. He puts his own to sleep. Then he says, I want you to know this, those who have already died, when Jesus comes for his church in the air, they will come with Christ. So, they'll be with him. He wants them to know this for sure. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay, people have died. They'll be coming back. But we're alive. Now, the Old Testament never described this ever. This is a mystery that the saints would be alive at the coming of Christ for the church. And he said it was a mystery in 1 Corinthians 15. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. All right, this is fantastic truth. This is what he told the early church. He's coming again. We don't know when. Now, something about this event, remember this. There are no signs that tell you when Christ is coming for the church. There are no signs. He didn't say this has to happen, that has to No, but when he comes back to the earth again at the end of the tribulation, all kinds of things have to happen. But any moment Christ could come, any moment for 2,000 years, 
any moment. And, and, and these events will happen, and he goes on to describe what's familiar with us because it's the first funeral sermon for the church. He said, I want you to know these things in order that you may be depressed. Why? Why do you want them to know it? Therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Have you learned to encourage fellow believers? Are you an encourager? That one guy said the theme song of many churches were seldom is heard an encouraging word. Home, home on the range. To dwell above with saints we love, well, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> it's, um, I don't go to church to get discouraged or to hear about your cat. I come down here to hear people who know God that may know a word from God we need encouragement, and you ought to say, I go to church because I get encouragement massages. People give verses to me because my heart is deceptive. My um, moods are up and down, and we are commanded in Scripture to encourage one another. I could show you probably 10 verses encourage one. And then I ask you, can you do that and never greet anyone? Uh, is this the fellowship of the mute? Or the fellowship of the encouragers? That, that's a way of life. We encourage. Uh, you know, you get with Malcolm, he'll encourage you. He'll encourage you. Get with Jolie, she'll tell you why she keeps him straightened out. I mean, it's, uh, some people are known. And, and he says, this prophetic truth, first of all, know that any moment Christ could come, nothing has to be fulfilled. He never put a sign. But now, he goes from that subject and he goes over to the fifth chapter. Notice what he says. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not be spiritually asleep, otherwise be on duty. But he says something. 
I want you to be anticipating the coming of Christ. But then he turns right around and says, but I don't want you to be anticipating the day of the Lord. What's that? What's he saying? Uh, the day of the Lord, when you look at it in Scripture, it's an Old Testament phrase. And uh, it's always a negative kind of term. It's, uh, it's not just a 24-hour period, but a period of time. And it was used in the Old Testament when God was punishing the enemies of Israel. And, and I just give you some, I can't read you all the scriptures, but let me pull out for you uh, some of the words to describe it. Uh, it's called a period of wrath. Zephaniah calls it that. Revelation calls it a time of judgment, a time of indignation, a time of trial, trouble, a time of destruction, a time of darkness, a time of desolation, a time of overturning. I got a verse for all of these. I can't give them to you today, but pray and you may get her later. I don't know how. Uh, but the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, of distress, a day of wastedness, desolation. This is Amos chapter 5. And then Zephaniah, Joel, read it about the day. The day of the Lord is not the rapture of the church. It's not a good day. It's a day of wrath, punishment, the wrath of God being poured out. In chapter 6 of Revelation, when Christ, and they're pouring out the different judgments on the earth, men finally start crying for rocks and mountains to cover them, cover them from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of God Almighty has come. The day of the Lord is the day of judgment, tribulation, divine wrath, and vengeance on a rebellious earth that one thing is trying to eliminate Israel, trying to eliminate. I want to tell you, Satan hates Jewish people. Don't ask me all about Hamas and the Jews, but let me say this. If someone would go on our campuses and say, let's eliminate all black people, do you think this nation would rise up against them? I hope so. Let's get rid of all Chinese people. Let's get rid of all Anglos. Do you think the nation would stand for But it's okay to say, let's kill every Jew. But we don't just want to win. We want to genocide. We want to eliminate them. And that cry's only been going on for about 1,500 years. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They're there in unbelief. They're not a believing nation at all. They're far from God. 
But God forbid that we learn to hate various ethnicities, including Israel. Don't hate them. Hamas, I'll leave it alone. They're not even, we don't even know what country they would represent. They took over Gaza. But this judgment, this is a time of darkness. And he tells them, hey, you're not appointed to this day. You're children of the day, not of the night. This will be a time of, as it were, darkness, a time of severe judgment. Now, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what he says. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together, and I take that to be when the church has been caught up to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. There was a letter out and a teacher that said, we're in the day of the Lord. We're in the day of the Lord. The tribulation has begun. Divine wrath is here. Watch out. And Paul said, I never taught such a thing. I didn't say this. This is a false report. And then he goes on to tell them, no, 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 no. The day of the Lord, this time of divine wrath and punishment on the earth, it will come only after certain events happen. Three R's will help you. The rebellion, the revelation of the Antichrist, and the removal of the restrainer, whoever that may be. So he says, no, 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 that, that day will not happen until the rebellion or the apostasy from God takes place. And you just need to read Revelation 13 that the whole earth begins to worship the Antichrist. The whole earth abandoned. And according to Daniel 11, this Antichrist casts down everything that's ever been worshipped, casts down everything. He actually puts himself in the temple in Jerusalem and demands to be worshipped or he'll kill you. And millions will be killed who do not take his mark of 666 at the end of Revelation 13. So an antichrist is coming, but he said this rebellion, this falling away, falling away. Now, I think um, we see religious falling away going on right now all the time. For sure, the Bay Area is not a church community. I mean, we're the minority. We, we truly are a saved minority. Uh, and uh, that's why we should be loving and supporting all who preach Christ, who love his word. Let us not be fussing with fellow believers. We're the minority. We've got to stand for Christ and the truth. We've got to stand for Christ and the truth. But he says that rebellion going away from God. And then he said, and then 
this man of sin is going to be revealed. And when he comes, he's lawless. He'll be energized by Satan to do all kinds of signs and miracles. And those who do not love the truth will fall in love with the Antichrist. It's a scary thing to be in church and not love the truth. Do you love the truth? I didn't say, do you love the preacher? I give up on that. <laughs> you don't have to like your mailman. But you better read the mail. We got so many people picking. I don't know how to pick a church. I don't know how to pick. No, and they don't know how to pick you. When will you settle down and be part of a fellowship where you are a contributor and not a complainer? Where you have give, serve, encourage, become a functional body. Come on, we're battling to stay alive in the Bay Area. We want a witness to go on. And he says this Antichrist will come and he will deceive those who don't love the truth. See, if you don't love the truth, you're open for any lie. And he says, this Antichrist will come. He'll be promoted. Then he says, the restraining influence. He uses the term restrainer without saying who it is particularly. Some think it's government. Some think it's maybe the church. Maybe the most common view among conservatives is that it's the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit maybe being exercised through the church. Look at this. You've got the saints here. Just like if today God was saw fit to send Christ and every Christian on the globe went up and was taken with the Lord. I always think of my dad who when he was in the hospital said, I've always wanted to go airmail, but I might have to go subway. <laughs> you know, well, either way, I'll be there. Subway, airmail, I'm going to be there. Okay, just, just eliminate every believer on the face of the earth. Can you imagine what it will be like with no influence, no Bible, no family radio, no K-Love, no, whatever. All gone. All the salt and the light on the earth will be turned out. There will be nobody to protest Gavin Newsom's nonsense. <laughs> there, there, will be, there will be no one uh, to protest some of the stupidity being handed off to us. Men that just, uh, it's just insane. Get rid of nobody to protest. I vote in California because it helps my testimony, but I haven't changed the thing yet. Because the liberals run this state, 70% of them. So if my hope was just in California politics, what do you think? 
Tennessee looks good. <laughs> Texas looks good. But you know what? You didn't get to vote your emperor in when you were in the first century church. Let's vote Caesar in. He won't kill as many of us. Diocletian will kill a bunch of us. Ten persecutions he will send on us, and many of our pastors will die. It was a real struggle in the early church to keep the fellowship with the brethren because those who gave in under persecution were considered the lapses. They called them the lapses group. They lapsed when they were under interrogation, kind of like Peter of old, and they lapsed. And when they came together after those persecutions stopped, men would go in there and they'd have fellowship, let's say pastor meetings. Men would come there with eyes missing, limbs missing, ears missing, maybe loved ones killed. Uh, they had to suffer immensely because they would not lapse. And then they had to be embraced by the brethren that bailed out when it got hot while they lost their wife, their children, and maybe their eyes. It's an easy day to lapse, and they haven't even taken the sword to our throat. They're first of all, take, they've taken over education and uh, taken over government, and government wants to tell us everything to do, and they need to mind their own business. Uh, this is the most political I've ever been in this pulpit. <laughs> I, I'm just... I've been keeping up. <laughs> but he says, this day of the Lord, from what I see in Second Thessalonians, he goes on, we're not appointed. He said, you're not in this day. You would know we're in this day if the great rebellion and the whole earth is following this Antichrist. You would know it if this man had been revealed who works in the power of Satan. You would know it. You would know it if the restraining influence of the Spirit of God, perhaps through his church, had been removed and it'd be day and night. It's already cold, but it will turn into a floating sepulcher of ice. He said, watch out. In the last days, the love of many will wax cold. And sometimes preaching in this country, ministering is like preaching to saints on a floating sepulcher called an iceberg. The hearts are cold. You know, when we started this church, we went to church all day Sunday. That was just revolutionary. We didn't think, we thought you were backslidden if you didn't go twice a day. We tried to keep you in church so you wouldn't backslide. Couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough. I've been in 13 week revivals where you go every night and you got rebuked if you didn't show up. Oh, no, no. You folks got it easy. But you know what the issue was? It was the best thing in town when you found hope. It, 
I, I remember Alex Montoya in, in L.A. ran a uh, Spanish work there, and uh, he went into L.A. and reached many Mexican people who are, had, had crossed illegally. They were hiding out in burrows there and were fairly desperate. He would go in there and lead so many of them to the Lord. And they were going to his church, and I was there preaching. And I said, hey, uh, Alex, uh, do you have a Sunday night service? Oh, he said, absolutely. And I said, do your people turn up? He said, oh, absolutely. He said, many of our converts come right out of the ghetto of L.A., come out of these boroughs where so many of people have just coming to this country. And he says, you see, there's a lot of people who attend church. Some people love it. Some people, it's a part of their life. Other people, it is their life. And he said, when you had nothing when you crossed that border, and all of a sudden you've come to Christ, and you've met a fellowship of believers that will love you, not hunt you, feed you, clothe you, teach you how to get an education, teach you how to get the right documents. He said, this has become their life. And let me tell you, when you know the rain's coming and everything around us is going to be consumed, according to Peter, 2 Peter 3.10, the whole universe is headed for a flaming fire he said, what manner of people ought we to be? Amen. Knowing, I, as I understand it, Jesus is coming any moment. No signs needed. How many more wars we have? I just saw a documentary on World War II. Are you aware that we only lost 60 million men in World War II? 60 million men. Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, Japan, Britain, United States, Australia, the Philippines, on and on. Only 60 million men were killed after the discovery of the origin of the species by Darwin in the 1800s who said man is evolving into a better species. How should we then live if he can come any moment and the day of the Lord is coming and blood will flow and judgment will be poured out. Peter said, the end is near. You ought to learn to get your mind clear enough to pray. It's a time to pray. And it's the greatest area of poverty in my life and in the life of most Christians. We don't talk about our prayer life because we don't have it. You talk about what you do. He said also, we ought to love people. Be given to hospitality. I want to say this, and I've spent many an hour in a restaurant, but a restaurant can't touch your home. 
love strangers. In the word hospitality, it meant strangers. And uh, the church is full of strangers and strange people. <laughs> Howard Hendricks used to say, we're sort of like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm on the outside, you could not stand the stench on the inside. It's the only safe place in a culture destined to be destroyed. Don't get in love with this culture. Everything's passing. Everything's passing. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, it'd be good if you start using the abilities God has given you to serve the body. There are more needs in the body than we have people to fill them. God wants to use you. It's no time to sleep. He keeps saying, don't be asleep. Don't be asleep. Be awake. Be on duty. What will you be found doing if he were to come today? Are you a giver? Are you a servant? Do you love people? I asked a man one time, I said, I thought he should be a deacon. And he said, no, you don't want me for a deacon. I said, no, 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 you're a good man. You're a hard worker. He said, I don't like people. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> you don't need to be a deacon. We cancel that quick. Do you love people? It takes God for us to love. Just even family sometimes. They, you know, Rich Rollins tells how he used to say to his dad, you know what, I didn't ask to be you to be my dad. He said, it's a good thing I wasn't asked. He said, I just had to take what God gave. <laughs> it's both ways. So what's about to happen? I know this on speculative terms. I don't know what the stock market's going to do. I don't know if we're going to go to war. I don't know if Hezbollah is going to invade Israel. That some say will happen in 24. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to the globe. I know Christ will come at just the right time. Any moment. And I know that the day of the Lord will begin somewhere after that. Now, there's many fine believers think you're going to go through the tribulation. And I say, God bless them. I don't think. I, I, I don't understand it that way. And what will I do if that's the way it is? I'll be in it with you. I have no choice. But I think it's a part of my blessed hope is a Savior that said, I've not appointed you to wrath. I didn't save you to put you through this. And don't tell me, well, you're saying the church doesn't suffer. Friend, the church has been being killed for 2,000 years. We've been suffering for two. We don't need seven years. We've been killed for 2,000 years. We've been hated. We've been hunted. And we've been slaughtered. Only God has made it possible that you meet here today without being hunted. The grace of God. The grace of God.
I want to be looking when he comes. And uh, don't lose prophetic hope. Christ is coming. And uh, don't let anyone talk you out of that. And uh, what will you be doing? I'd say this. If you're a young person here today, this kind of sermons used to scare the daylights out of me as a boy. Because my dad was a prophetic nut. He, he loved the Bible, loved prophecy. But it was tough. If I came home and nobody's in the house, I thought, oh, I missed it. <laughs> Anybody ever think that? <laughs> and then I, I'd hear all this, uh, Jesus is coming. I'd get ready to kiss a girl. And then all of a sudden, I think, he might come. <laughs> I was afraid to take a shower. I thought, he might catch me in the shower. Uh, you had a sense of future, future, future. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. And they are. I went to the side of a dying sister just a few days ago. And I told her, if it's God's will, he'll put you to sleep, Laura. If it's not his will, he'll raise you up. Either way, you're going to be well off. And he won't forget, he'll bring you back. I won't beat you to heaven. We'll both get our resurrection body about the same time. Well, I'll hush, not because I'm done, but I'll just hush. He's great. And you know what? Please hear me. I want to thank God for you people that when the devil tried to close us during covid you came back and you stood. You came back and you stood. When it was the thing to do to bail out, you submitted to just remember all leaders, the best of men are just men. Only the Puritans could say, only God can take a crooked stick and make a straight line. Us men, at our best, are warped. So if there's no Holy Spirit, no Bible, and no Jesus, we are on a rudderless ship. But we trust that the living Christ oversees his own. And he's doing that through our leaders and through you. But I commend you wonderful people for standing. Many churches closed during COVID, 30%, as I understand, Many pastors resigned. One man went to a pastor. Dave Hurtado went to a Baptist convention in which 55% of the pastors resigned because they were sick and tired of defending politics, defending whether you wear a mask or not, and defending whether you meet or not. They said, we've had enough. 55% of them resigned. You didn't resign. You came back. And God is healing us restoring us and if God wants to he'll bust the doors before the coming of his son to say whoever he wants whoever he wants worship team let's gather we're going to take communion today keep going you know me, if I had my way, we would all stand and imitate being around the throne. Are there a lot of children in the meeting? There is?
All right, stay seated. I can see that boat. Let's stand. Thank you. 